Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Racken, and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In today's episode, we dive into the potential for biasing LLM models, uh, both in good ways and in bad ways. And this idea that the expertise that we're feeding into these models is not sufficient to actually drive the outcomes that we're looking for, or too sufficient, and we're going to be eliminating humans to, out of the loop in a relatively short period of time. Uh, both outcomes at the moment feel equally probable, which is troubling. Uh, we dive into how and why that happens, um, what's going on, and even better, get some concrete tips for how you can improve your prompting to avoid these same pitfalls. It's a fascinating conversation, and I know you'll enjoy it. So, so with that, would would y'all um, jump back to Diana's original question about the 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 death spiral on these platforms? Because um, I, I I would love to pick that back up. Sure. Yeah, I feel like I, so. Let me just let me articulate a little bit more where I was going, and then I'd love to hear more because this is just a this is just a thought that you know came to me, and I don't have anything to back it up. But it seems to me if you've got a system writing itself and checking itself, that um, it's going to operate inside of a bubble that has confirmation bias or misses its own stuff. Uh, maybe not even on purpose, and I. I'm curious how um, how maybe generative AI <clears throat> writing code and governing code supports humans being more productive and more informed, and then uh, and then having where do humans intervene? So I don't know. I was just curious what you guys thought about that idea. Well, I don't see that you can necessarily take. Sorry, Rob. No, I I'll, I'll hold my thought. Um, I don't think you can, at this stage of the technology, take human out of the loop because mm. there's knowledge, institutional knowledge in each of us, regardless of where we work as the institution, we ourselves have institutional knowledge. And you can you need to inculcate that into the large language or small language models, regardless of the domain. Because if you don't, the way the tools are created and used will have none of it. So therefore, you'd never be able to correct a bias and you'd never be able to say, but your source may not have been 100% accurate when you were trained. Right. Like I was just writing a little piece on, oh, shoot, our, our AI, well, basically the other word, um, <laughs> our AI decided to hallucinate. We've sent it back for retraining, but there's no guarantees that even that will help. And it's true because, you know, whether it's the age at which the model stopped being trained and is now just taking in information mm -hmm. or the biases that may have been inherent in the algorithms. In other words, what we were talking about with point of view, you know, the engineering point of view when people build software, um, I think those things have to be taken into account. So I don't see human out of the loop for probably two to three years, if not longer than that. 
I think companies <laughs> have a very short time frame. All things considered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wait a second. Think about December of last year when ChatGTP was introduced, and where we are today, not even a year later. Well, but what's so I interesting totally, about I totally that? Agree with you. What's so interesting about that is, haven't you already noticed? That you're kind of picking up when it's chat GPT as opposed to personal uh, human generated. Aren't you yeah. starting to get spidey senses? Like Tom and I uh, were reading a travel magazine and we're like, I think every single article in this magazine has been AI generated. It just all, it has a flavor. Um, so I, I think we're, I don't know. It, it, uh, it does. Um, the thing that was interesting on Tuesday, we were talking, uh, Klaus was doing a retro on uh, Google Next. Um, okay. So he he went to Google Next and we were talking about what he learned at Google Next. Um, and the thing that was surprising to me is that they're vectorizing big data sets, not as training materials, but as prompts. Yeah. And, and so the the assumption that I've been making that we would be retraining models or stacking models is is actually not what we're seeing happen at the moment. And, and this this lines up with what Rackend's doing with our own. Uh, we're putting a, um, a vectorized, we're putting Rackend's database in front of, of Hugging Face and using it as a, uh, we're calling it Rackend GPT, um, to train, to help train users, to help users find information. But the strategy isn't to build a new model. The strategy is to vectorize the the knowledge as a prompt, effectively. Is yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And then, and then when the model works, it takes because the models are now starting to take in these huge pieces of background information, and then then your all that knowledge is fed into the prompt effectively. So you're you're asking a question at the end of it of of basically telling it your life story and all the all this background. And then it makes a recommendation, which um, is producing to your question about coding and things like that. That's actually producing a better feedback system. So you could actually say, in the context of all this code I've already written, please help me generate some code. Right. Or pre and and yeah. ideally it's going to go and say, oh, you already have a routine that looks sort of like this. But I think we're going to have to get better at prompting and things like that. But ideally, what you're doing is you're leveraging the the humans that have already touched the system. And then that generative work is aligned with the work you've already done. Yeah. Um, it's setting tone when you're talking yeah. about a piece being written in a magazine. Diane, Diana, it's um, um, someone sets the tone because if you go to ChatGTP, for example, and say, you are a world-renowned marketing expert, your tone of voice resembles blank, fill in the name of the person that you like, and write me a piece based on this, that, and the other thing, and, and you put all that in, it gives you a tone of voice akin yep. to the character that, or the individual that you've talked about, and you can then play with it. But Rob, to your point, so here's what I did with Hugging Face. I said, give me, a, first with ChatGTP, give me a set of prompts that I could use to brain dump myself into mm -hmm. Hugging Face as a 
persona or, you know, the amount of information on a particular domain? Like, what are the right questions that I should be asked about supply chain or manufacturing or whatever, or any of the myriad of other topics? And it was really good because then when I did put it into Hugging Face, it actually gave that institutional knowledge flavor of what I wanted to come out. And that would be one way of capturing that. And I think from a coding perspective, ask the question, what was the point of view of the coder who wrote this and give it a snippet of code? It'll tell you. Yeah. See, that's that's where I'm talking about AI really helping humans. Right. Yeah. But it can also be detrimental and you have to be really careful with it in some ways, because if the person who was the so-called world-class expert was like out to lunch is the best way I can put it. And, you know, had these like not great uh, um, skills, great ideas, but not great execution, let's say, uh, you can end up with a lot of hallucinatory information, even in code. Back to well, the death of expertise. <laughs> yeah. No, hey, there you go. Yeah. The, the, the AI with, you know, is, is going to decide. We have, there's two, there's two dangers. One is the AI sounds really smart. So you, you listen to it, whether it's, it's knowledgeable or not. I mean, and you could, right. That's, and if you said, Oh, please explain why you thought this, it actually is going to invent the explanation. It doesn't know why it thought that. Right. That's what's, that's what's so deceptive with this. Um, yeah. But you also you also have the potential for whatever you know, like we've said, been saying, your biases, your inputs, whatever's whatever's coming through. You could probably do better if you pick your person to do it. Um, and the more the better, the more writing they have, the, the the better. Or the more you're basically feeding stuff in to to make it happen. Like Joanne, you and I both have enough writing. I know that if if I tell it to write in my style, it has enough knowledge of me to um, pit, to do my style. And 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 it it can produce if I say hey you know take this take this outline and these facts and write something in my style it will right. actually um, do a, a better job than if I just say as a whatever to write um, yeah or more palatable to me <laughs> yeah well I know I mean I've I've put blogs in there I've I actually tried to find a way to upload like I just did a podcast uh, for Supply Chain Connect on AI and manufacturing. And I wanted to take the stream and put it into an AI, not to get the um, uh, transcript because I already had it or take the transcript, but to say, how could I better have improved what I was saying, but still be me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, could I have been, um, I tend to use large words, should I have been simpler in some of the things that I said? So I'm playing around with the notion of tonality, but I also now know just from experience, if you give it a particular best in class, best in the world, you know, go whatever you want to call it, kind of you are that ex level of expertise. This is your audience. This is the topic. This is the tone. This is the context. You get much, much better responses. Well, I think like so. It, it actually but, listens. Yeah, but getting back to coding, and I, I really like that you brought up point of view. So one thing that I've been trying to accomplish with uh, a couple different models, Bing and ChatGPT, is 
um, <clears throat> I'm writing a story about chess and I need this chess game to play out. In a, I need five things to happen in this chess game. Um, like, you know, I need a knight to, I need a queen to vanquish the other queen. I need that. There are these things that I need to happen in this game to make the story work. And neither Tom nor I has been able to write a prompt for any of the AI that we have access to that describes five things. And they don't even have to happen in order that happen in this game. And it comes back with the moves, right? Like white moves, black moves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, And it says, this fills all your criteria, but not once has it fulfilled all the criteria yet. So the concern that I have is, I mean, I may be feeding it an impossible situation. Maybe that, maybe those things can't play out in a chess game, although I'm pretty sure they can. Um, But it says, it tells you that it's accurate and it's not. So how do we keep an eye on that? This, this is, this is my, my problem with using it from a coding perspective. And then I actually, I'm, I'm working on a presentation right now to help sysadmins and DevOps people use AI better. So some of these questions are, are, are similar. It doesn't actually know the rules to chess, right? What you're, what you actually need is, is an AI that understands how to play chess. And, and none of these models actually know how to play chess. What, Got it. Okay. Right. What they're doing is they have ingested a whole bunch of chess games and they, they are able to probably, it's probably smart enough to say, oh, these are the, the moves you're looking for. These are the things that would, like, it actually sorts through all that knowledge, but it doesn't actually know the rules. Just like with programming, this is what's scary. It doesn't actually understand programming at all. Like, it doesn't understand syntax. It doesn't understand, you know, what that should be. It doesn't understand even what the potential option, like, it, like when you're building, it's part of what I'm trying to educate these, these operators on. If you're build, telling it to build Terraform or Ansible playbooks, it's not reading the the schema for those commands that it's showing you. It's just going to its database and being like, oh, here's a common schema. And so it's not going to actually know if the what it's putting down is the best thing to do or the, the right or uh, possible. Um, but, but it does a better job than people do actually out of the gate. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if you use it the same way I do, but I use a kind of chain of thought method. So, like, I'll ask it first, are you familiar with, you know, in chess, I would say Gary Kasparov, right? Mm. A world master champion. And it'll say yes, and it'll give you the life story or whatever. Uh, are you familiar with the methods that he uses to play, used to play chess? And it'll give you a response. Once you go through those steps and then ask it about the moves, it will give you the moves. Huh. It's because yeah. you know there there was the the competition with IBM with Watson. It yeah. is familiar with that, so yeah. you can get the moves. The other thing you can also do is there's a new one which I can send you a link through in LinkedIn, and I'll send it to you, Rob, as well, which. Mm-hmm is useful for citations in research papers and stuff like that. Like, cause I submit stuff through ResearchGate for peer review and I do peer review and all those kinds of things. Um, so I needed something that would actually give me accurate citation from research. And that, if you use that chat model, 
you will get very specific information with regard to any subject. So whatever the story is that you're trying to build, if it's about the moves, if any research has been done with computer learning, machine learning, or computer learning, or cognitive learning around chess, it'll pull up everything. You can then just literally copy and paste it into ChatGTP and say, based on this, now give me the five moves in huh. whatever or whatever. So you have to kind of think about the right situations and chain of thought works best for me. I find it takes longer, but mm -hmm. it's, it's more accurate. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not getting an accurate answer now. So I, I would, I, and I kind of don't want to try to figure it out on my own because it'll take a long time. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that AI could help me, but that's an, that's an interesting Try approach. Blood. But I mean, Capcom did beat Deep Blue, so there's still hope for humanity. <laughs> but yes, the um, I, I'm interested because one of the things I've been doing um, instead of doing as much of a dialogue prompting system, I've started to build um, template what I would call prompting templates. Yeah, where I will provide. Um, and this is to me similar to the vectorization thing, um, where I'll provide more and more information in the question and, and allow like, and so, so I don't have to dialogue with it as much. I'm like, okay, here's all the things that I need you to know in formulating your answer. And, um, that, and then I'll, then I'll dump a whole bunch of stuff in at once, which is effectively right. vectorizing, um, my input. And then I'm uh, finding those actually give me pretty good responses, but I haven't compared notes with enough people yet. Like, like well, if we're writing marketing copy or I'm writing a, uh, we're doing customer journeys using this technique. So I provide, you know, a page of notes and quotes and KPIs and things to highlight and stuff. And, and then, you know, all sorts of stuff, frame, tone. And then we, we actually build those up over time and we re keep refining what those templates are and then generate and then ask it to generate narrative from that. Um, yeah, there are, by the way, um, um, I have a list of 10 or 15 different sites that work with ChatGTP but are actually better for narrative writing. Mm. Uh, one of them, uh, the person whose templates I'll try and get for you is uh, yeah. Michael Margolis from Storied. Uh, he's king of mm. the narrative. Uh, I've known him for a long time, um, but try just as um, an exercise, try the chain of thought. And the reason that I started doing it that way was because I found I liked certain parts of what I would get back as answers, not all of it, but I would also be able to see the hallucinations much quicker, much faster, uh, much earlier to say, uh, no, that's absolutely wrong. And I love the forgive me, I've made an error, or I'm sorry I misunderstood you. Because this leads me to my question of the week for the two of you. Yeah. What are the correct pronouns for generative AI? Because it, these, and those don't sound right to me. When you we talk about it or when you talk to it? Well, when I talk to it, it, I say you. You. When I talk about it, I mean, you know, I, I'm very friendly towards they and them and, you know, gender nonspecific and all of that. Yeah. What products do you use with generative AI? 
Because please, I... that gets you a better answer, by the way. I've heard that. It's true. Absolutely true. Ask it the same question twice, once with please and thank you and one without, you will get not the same response. That is a great, that's a great question. I'm looking up on LinkedIn. It doesn't give its pronouns. But yeah, it is. It, it, I, I, you're not the first person to tell me, um, Sam Ramji was the other person was like, no, you have to be polite to chat GPT. You do produce good results. Yep. And, and I, I always say, sorry, it was my mistake or, uh, whatever, but this whole chain of thought thing, if you, if, if it's like, if you go down that road, you can actually say to it, go back and revise because this is incorrect or I don't agree with that. And I, it will keep doing yeah. it. I'll do that. What I found is it's, it has been getting much more verbose lately. That one of the things that I find actually very frustrating and potentially, um, taking you off track because i'm doing this for this paper uh, this right. presentation and I'm, i started with a very simple um i need you know I, you know i need your help to generate a cloud and it talked about it gave me you know, a thousand words about how to create an experiment that generated uh cirrus clouds in a coke bottle uh -huh. and i and i said no i mean a, a computer cloud and then it generated like and, and then it went through, but, and the, the thing that's interesting is it's giving me thousands of words of output for things when it should ask me clarifying questions. And I'm like, no, I really want you to ask me some questions to figure out what I need. And then right. it did, and then it generated this crazy long list of questions also. So it's not, chat GPT is not designed to be Socratic. Um, well, Okay, so I would have uh, not yeah. to be I don't mean to be corrective or pejorative, but I would have said first, are you familiar with cloud computing? And it'll give you an answer. Mm. Now that we know you're familiar with this, I need an experiment. Write me the prompts for you to create an experiment for me to build a cloud, a private cloud. Call it Rob's cloud. What would I need to build? And then you'll get a short, you might get a long answer, but it'll be all the steps and all of the, you know, and include the man hours, the resources, you know, the specific. I, I, I like that. I'm, I'll try that. No, I might probably incorporate the asking ChatGPT to generate the prompts for ChatGPT. It's actually a little funny because there's no real history in its database of writing prompts for itself. Right. Um. But it does, I mean, this is the whole idea of, of auto GPT of asking it what the next, what steps it should, you should be following are and then letting GPT follow those steps. Um, and, yeah. and that, that to me is, is actually indicative of the advice I'm giving, which is there's actually a tremendous amount of expertise baked into these models. And you're trying to tease out the expertise. It's not just, can you write code for me? What you actually want to do is, is is use it as a here's a sum of human knowledge and you know you're asking questions to try and find the you know sort of identify the frozen experts inside the model um, yeah I, I i hear what you're saying i do it all the time 
I don't use it. I don't use ChatGTP as much now as I was a few weeks ago because I was experimenting with it to get to these points about mm -hmm. how you have to engineer the prompt. And I'll tell you the other thing that, and I don't mean to sound nationalistic at all, be careful the way you put the English in. If you use a British English, I'm serious, you get a much better response because it understands the language without the idiom of, uh, of what I would consider American English versus Canadian English or British English or whatever. And the more of that you use, the better the responses you get also. There, there's a new, and we need to wrap up, but there, there is yeah. a new feature in, in, in GPT that allows you to um, warm, have, warm your prompts. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to, um, I'd play with this first, but you could actually, if that's the case, you could say, cheerio, good chap. It's pleasure to, you know, give it a British intro. Uh, yeah. and see if see if you can nudge it you know um and then use like and see if it dumbs it down oh <laughs> <laughs> <Howdy>, partner <laughs> i'm here to round up some but, cattle but you, and get <laughs> but you realize that by doing that when you do the howdy yeah. or you do you know some some colloquialism you are automatically setting the tone for the way the responses are going to come back to you yes yes and so that that's why I'm saying, like, the more formal you seem to be with it, um, in my all case, right, I right. I'm, I'm actually going to go do this exactly. I'm going to do this exactly. I'm going to create different chats and I'm going to start one with uh, a sort of British. I'm going to do the howdy and I'll, I'll I want to see what the different results are. That's try awesome. one with bonjour. Oh, OK. So I have to tell you one story before we go. Um, my husband uh, worked on a ticket last night and uh, for one of his customers. And then his the CEO of his company asked uh, asked their they have their own uh, I, they have their own I don't know anyway they have their own AI tool that Tom uh, built. But so the CEO asked the AI tool to uh, recap how the ticket went and was resolved in a medieval sonnet that made my husband the knight in shining armor of how this ticket was brought up and what was wrong and how he solved the problem. And it was, it was I kind of like that. a love letter. It was very sweet. Like it was a very sweet little thing to do. So anyway, fun time. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Anyway. It, is, it is really good. I've, I've had to do like, poems and camp letters and things like that. It's it's really neat. Always, and always a blast. Yep. Even though we're over time, congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you're I about, mean, you're talking about my gardener, my gardener, my gardener notices, my gardener oh, thing. Yes, your your taught your 10 listings, which I, I actually went through one by one by one to see <laughs> if they were the right context. And you should make Haywell Sunshines, and I will tweet about it later. Thank you. Um, it's on my list of you know things to do, and I'll put something in LinkedIn as well. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure I agree with everything that they said, but that's just me because I think that that there are cherry. But the point is, if you put all of those into ChatGTP or yep. one of the other writing tools that I will send you both links to. Um, you will find some amazing tidbits to use for marketing copy.
Yeah, there's there's some. I we we were excited when we saw the 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 citations rolling in, um, especially since we're on both sides of the the hype cycle. Like we're we're referenced on the the upslope and the downslope, which is is sort of yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, I I we got to we got to ten and and I started looking around and I'm like it's it's a very unusual number of of hype cycles to be cited in. Wow. In these discussions, we go down so far into the weeds and then pull so far back at the same time. It really is an amazing aspect of Cloud 2030 discussions. If this is interesting to you, and if you're listening to me now, it was, I hope you will choose to join us and be part of the conversation. Bring your thoughts, your ideas, and your questions to the 2030 uh, group at 2030.cloud. You will find our agendas and topics and Zoom links, and I am looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.